You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 10th, and last night at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta United was taken apart by Austin 3 to nothing in a game that might have some far-reaching implications for the MLS team. There was a team meeting that lasted about 70 minutes after the game. There were apologies from manager Gonzalo Pineda and Joseph Martinez to the team supporters for the effort and the results. There were promises made about what's going to happen in the future. And we're going to get into all of that, as well as your questions in this podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This podcast is going to be a little bit longer than usual because Jay and I agreed that we need to play the entirety of the audio from Pineda, as well as the entirety of the audio from Martinez, because Joseph had some pretty, I would say, strong and um, confrontational things to say regarding either some of his past teammates or present teammates and the team's front office, as well as his future with the club. And I wanted y'all to be able to hear that within its context and not just snippets of audio. Gonzalo Pineda's audio is going to last, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Um, And he's going to talk about passion and fight and changes that need to happen throughout the organization because the team has won just one of its eight games. Despite its defense being young and being forced to play some guys because of injuries, the offense had all three DPs on the field last night and only put four shots on goal. Really only had two good chances to score. It was uh, not a good performance. The team has to turn around and play Real Salt Lake, a very good team, on Wednesday, and then host Orlando on Sunday. I thought last night's game was a must-win because the team needed a confidence boost and it needs the points. Right now it's three points from the bottom, six points from the final playoff spot. It does have a game in hand, or two games in hand on some teams. But right now, the future just does not look good for this squad. It's a team that, to me, lacks confidence. It's a team that, to me, lacks players with MLS experience. It's a team that that lacks an on-field vocal leader. So here's Pineda's post-game press conference, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts about that after it's done. So so first of all, I want to apologize to you guys because I was late. Uh, We were in a 
in a very long meeting there with the players, so uh, I was busy, sorry. And I apologize to the fans. I think they don't deserve this. They do an amazing job at supporting us and, uh, you know, always being there for us. And today's performance was, was not acceptable. So I apologize. I take full, full credit for the loss. So it's on me. Uh, and, and we will do better. I will make sure we will do better next time. How will you do better? We're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put more more desire to the things that we do. Uh, we're, I'm gonna start with better choices probably in the lineups, and I'm gonna make sure that everybody fights. That's what I'm gonna do. How do you do that though? If it hasn't happened yet, how do you how do you get it started now? I have my ways to do it. I will I will I will address. I already addressed that. So we will we will be fighting much, much better next game. Can you go into any of the team talk? Because it was no. more than an hour. Sorry, no, uh, that's private. Sorry. Uh, probably you can imagine some of the things that we said. Uh, what I can share is, is, is many, many talk. So that's why it went so long, because it was a platform to express ourselves. And then I think good things were, were the outcome of that conversation. The team started well again. Uh, the first five minutes, there was a lot of good off-the-ball runs, a lot of good passing sequences and things like that. And then Austin scored, and everything kind of got static. Um, it's been you know, a confidence issue for this team when something bad happens in games this season. Will this fight try to fix that? Yeah, well, I have to start with that because, yes, I think we always want to play good. And you can see that the team at times progresses the ball very well against a very solid team that came here to, to be in the middle block and try to counter, uh, not really to play out from the back or really disrupting us. They were trying to break us through counterattacks and they did very successful. So kudos to them because they had a very good game plan. But I think it's not anymore about only that about only tactics and way to disrupt the field, the players, and how to, yes, we still want to play good football, we still want to create more and better chances than the opponent, but I felt that today we were, we were not ready to, to fight in the game that they presented to us. I feel like we were not ready to win the duels, to do all the little things, to run for each other. I felt that I didn't prepare the team properly in order to do that and to show them that that was the game plan for them and that we need to, to meet different expectations and standards for, for our team. Yeah, just, you know, it, it was unexpected coming off of, you know, two well-played games up in New York is this something that surprised you, this kind of lack of fight or energy or, or whatever it is that you've been alluding to? Yeah, yeah, I feel like uh, in some ways it wasn't a surprise, but it was because I didn't expect uh, that. I mean, in the first half, the first two crosses that they did were, were goals. And then the third one was a very, very close offside that should have been also another goal. So I feel like, again, and it's not a secret, we have to do better defensively. Uh, I, I will try to reevaluate kind of how I approach the team style because at times we still want to be on the front foot, we still want that, but obviously we are conceding a lot of goals and I feel that defense 
is very important in MLS and it's very important to be solid defensively first and then from there we can build something. So uh, part of my reflection is I have to come back to the basics of football, which is defend, run, show passion, show heart, also connecting my passes, being good technically, but uh, probably less emphasis on tactics and all that. Let's just start with, with fighting for each other. Your opening statement about the team needing to now fight more, um, is this something that you've been concerned about? Has it been building to this point? I think a little bit. I think, uh, again, uh, not always is black or white. And at times when we were solid defensively in the season and we were a little bit better, we, we were always trying to, we were always creating chances and scoring goals, but we were a bit more solid. So some of those things kind of, you don't perceive those little things, right? But now that, you know, we're struggling defensively, like that's not a secret. Like we concede two goals against uh, against uh, New York City and we concede now three. Uh, and then in Toronto, we concede another two, near Red Bulls another two. So it's not a good, good, good uh, performance defensively. And that doesn't mean only the goalkeeper or the defenders, that's everyone. And, he, and when I mean this, we need to, to do better defensively, it's everyone. It's starting with Joseph, how he press, how he runs, how, how everyone, Luis Araujo, Tiago Almada, Marcel, is how they make very hard for the opposition to find the space to, to play balls in behind. Uh, but also, obviously, the defenders, the center mids, the goalkeepers, we all need to come together to be better defensively. And that's, that's part of my message, and that's the fight I want to see, is that it's all together, it's very hard for opponents to score goals on us. Coach, when was the last time that you were in a situation like you've been in in the last hour and ten minutes with a club, whether it was a, as an assistant coach or a player, or is this or having that hour and ten minutes in there was this the first time something like that has happened in your career? In this team, yes. In my career, I've been many, many times in these type of situations. So, yeah. So then, the last time it happened in your career, what did you learn from that experience that you brought forward to help you as a coach and now as an assistant and now as a head coach? Well, look, at times there are things that are, are there but no one talks about, right? There are little things here and there that we all see that happens in a team, and I'm talking specifically about this, but in general in football, there are little things about certain behaviors of players or the staff or little undisciplines and little things that at times, you know, when you are in the good route, then no one perceives, no one cares, and you kind of let things go because we're okay, so don't touch it, right? But, but when it starts to happen like this, that there are little things that we need to fix and no one talks about, we need to put everything on the table and say, okay, guys, come on. Who wants to say something about it? Who wants to say this, 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 that we all see, we all know, we all talk in little groups? Let's open that. So that's, that's what happened, and I think it was a very good discussion. Did it work the last time you had one of these meetings? <laughs> I mean, there were many that I don't even remember uh, the outcome of all of those. I can tell you nothing is perfect in football, no nothing that you did before and worked is going to replicate exactly the same because football is like that, guys. But uh, I think I think this is going to help for sure. I know it may be difficult in this moment, especially coming off of that kind of meeting, but you know this team is three points off the bottom of the Eastern Conference table. To be fair, five points off of play, the, the playoff line, so there's still everything to play for. But what is the mentality of this team right now after such a disappointing loss in front of this big crowd? Yeah, they're, they're also... 
the same as me. We are we are embarrassed with the fans and we are embarrassed with our performance and with our attitude. I mean, and and it's again collectively all the staff, the coaching staff, the players. We are all in the same boat, and we feel that way. We don't feel good about it. We we feel very bad because uh, it's not what. The fans deserve is not also what the team deserves because I think they do a lot of good things in the training sessions in every day. You see a lot of good things, but then we're not seeing the the results that we want because of little things that we need to fix, right? So, so yes, we don't feel good about it for sure. We're not happy about it, but we cannot do anything else more than fight, compete, come back to the very basics of football. And that's what I want to say is the very basics of football is pass and reception. If I don't concentrate enough to make the right pass to my teammate that is five yards away from me, then I'm doing something wrong. So that's, that's the, then we can talk about tactics and where he position and how we attack and weak side. Yes, yes, we can talk. After I connect my passes, then we can talk about tactics. After I'm good technically, we can talk about being good tactically. But before that is the passion. Before all of that, as a footballer, has to come the passion and the attitude and everything. And again, that starts with me because my message has to be such as good as the players show that passion and that attitude that I have to ref I have to show them that. So uh, it's, it's about that. It's about merging the passion, the desire, the heart, the the willingness to do everything I have to do to win the game. Then, with the talent we have up front, I think we're going to find ways to score goals. But before all that, it has to come the other part. Uh, and that's where I feel we're lacking more. As you know, one of the ways to, to create fight and fighting spirit and, and camaraderie is through competition. And the roster has been so decimated by injuries that you, you, can't, you don't have a lot of competition at a lot of these positions. Do you think that that's maybe affected the, the attitude of the team and you, you're not getting these players back anytime soon. How do you, how do you fix it going forward? Well, number one is, is demanding better from everyone, including me again, guys. And now when I say this, I'm not talking about the players only. I'm talking about everyone in the organization. We have to do better collectively. But one is just demanding the best out of us in every, in every day that we spend in the training facilities. So that's number one. Then you're right. We have had a lot of injuries and we all, you know, uh, talk about that and the amount of injuries and the type of injuries that we got with key players, experience, all that. Yes, we can talk the whole day if you want about that. But I won't use that as an excuse. I won't use that as an excuse of, oh, yeah, we have less quality here in the back line. We have less experience on the back line. We, have, uh, we don't have the competition. We don't have, okay, yes, we don't have that, but what do we have? We have a bunch of kids that do everything I ask for, like Caleb Wiley, Eden McFadden. They do their very, very best. And that's what I want to inspire the whole team to do every day their very, very best. So uh, I'm going to start with that, trying to do better every training session in every, in every day we are there. Uh, so I hope that, and, and I'm pretty sure that next game we're going to look very, very different. So my first thought is, why hasn't the team shown this fight that Pineda wants to see for the season? This is not, and this is not just a, a one season issue. This goes back to 2020, I think, in Frank DeBoer's final season with the team. Um, and when you're changing managers and the fight's not there, whose fault is it? Is it the types of players that the front office is targeting? 
Is it just bad luck? Is it the players themselves? Is it the front office? I don't know. We'll get into some of that with your questions. But this team meeting reminds me of a team meeting that happened in 2019 following a 2-0 loss to Columbus. The game was played in a driving rainstorm. I was there. It should not have been played, but the referee allowed it to go ahead. But the team lost. The team was very frustrated after the game, and there was a meeting either before or after that game about expectations and frustrations. And as you all know, the team went on to win the Campionas Cup, the U.S. Open Cup, and came within a few minutes of getting to host the MLS Cup game because of how the playoffs broke down. Of course, they lost that game to Toronto. But it was a pivotal moment in the franchise history because it resulted in two trophies. You'll, you heard Pineda talk about we need to focus on fixing the defense first. It's given up seven, it's given up nine goals in its past four games. That, that reminds me of the loss to Toronto in the regular season finale in 2018 when the supporter shield was on the line. Atlanta United came out flat at BMO Field and was played off the field by Toronto. That resulted in then-manager Gerardo Martino deciding to go to a back three for the playoffs, which, of course, Atlanta United used to go on and win its first MLS Cup. I think you're likely going to see something similar now with Atlanta United going forward. I think you'll see a back three that definitely includes Parata and Campbell. And then I don't know if the third is going to be Dijon or Franco because as Franco was described to me by one person last night, he's a kamikaze on the field. The third goal that Austin scored last night, I don't know why Franco moved over to try to to put pressure on Austin's player when Caleb Wiley was catching up. It left a Ruti, or I'm sorry, it left uh, another Austin player wide open in the middle of the field. And this is something that he keeps doing game after game after game. He leaves his man to double a man that doesn't need to be doubled, and goals happen. And it happened again last night. So anyway, it's it's I don't know how Pineda fixes this. You heard him say he has his ways. I don't know how you suddenly put a spark into a team. He did reference, I'm going to put the strongest lineups out there. I don't know who he's looking at in that regard. Um, but he's obviously unhappy with somebody. I thought Huzatu and Abara weren't very good last night. They did have a good partnership going for a while, but I'm not sure they're the answer in the middle of the pitch. Neither one of them advances the ball very well. Very well. Neither one of them can, can split lines with passes. Abara does way too many just kind of stick-your-leg-out type tackles, which doesn't do anything. Um, but anyway, now let's get on to Joseph Martinez's audio. And I want again, I want you to hear that in its entirety. And you could draw your own conclusions about what he's saying, but I'll give you my opinion of what he's saying as soon as we're done. Um, just what happened tonight in the game? This happened months ago, so it's not a surprise for us. It happened months ago? Oh, yeah. We have we played at this months ago, so I, it's I the same. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. What happened today? What happened three months ago? You asked what happened tonight. He said it's been happening for three months. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, coach talked to us about um, the need for the players to show more fight for each other uh, on the field. Um, if that hasn't already been happening, how is it suddenly going to start happening 
Wednesday against Salt Lake? No lo sé. Um, ustedes son periodistas. Ustedes lo analizan mejor que nosotros de afuera. Lo que se habló acá. You guys are, are journalists, so you can analyze from the outside, you know, what's going on and, and come to your own conclusions. Um, I'm not going to talk about what was said, you know, in here. That's going to stay in here. Um, but a lot has obviously changed since 2017. Um, but we know that we've got a lot of injured players. Um, but yeah, you know, nothing that happened uh, tonight is a surprise. Gonzalo said that the fans and us and everybody will see a different team against Real Salt Lake on Wednesday. How, how is that going to happen? Soccer. Sometimes you can you can win. Sometimes you, you can lose. It's a sport. Probably. We have to apologize to people come here for watch the best soccer. Was not the the best day for us. Um, we tried to fight. They was the best better team at the, than us. Yeah, the next game is the next game. You never know what happened next game. So that's it. Let's just keep going. Joseph, you referenced 2017. You've obviously seen this team run other teams out of this building here. Do you, have you thought about that at all, just like in the wake of this kind of game, just thinking about what this team has been in the past and kind of what it is now? Sería muy mal de mi parte hablar. It would be wrong for me to, to talk about the team that we had here a long time ago. Yeah, I think, I think we all have to think, you know, hard about what we saw today. Um, you know, it could be my last year here. I've got one year of a contract left. Um, we also, again, have to apologize to the fans who came to watch us because, um, you know, that they've been coming here and supporting us for a long time. There's things that we can't control. Uh, we're trying to play with, with what we have and uh, the, the players that we have. You know, uh, the life is gone. The life keep going, you have to keep going. Do you agree with Coach that you are fighting for each other enough on the field? Yeah, actually, 100%. This not happened today. This happened beginning of the season two. So we play because we have to play. But uh, in the training, some players don't have uh, that energy. Some people don't know what we have to do, or they don't recognize, or they don't appreciate the, the jersey and what we do it for a long time. And um, probably that's the most problem because the injury is not the problem. We, we play soccer and you can have injury every day. And some people still think, oh, because we lost this guy, we lost this guy. We have a mistake, we all make a mistake, and uh, we are professional, it's not kids anymore. And if you come here, you have to know what we have to do. So if you don't come here for 100%, probably you don't have, you don't have to choose this, this club to play. So the people, that's a message for everyone. If you want to bring some guys, it's because they want to play here. And it's not because business. And um, that's happened for a long time. As a, as a captain and as a leader of the team, have you spoken to these players about your concerns? Sí, y también puede ser mi culpa. It could also be my fault. Um, quizás, eh, como siempre dicen por ahí, que, que siempre el, el árbol que da más fruto el que más le tira. As, they, as the saying goes, uh, the, the fruit that the tree that gives the most fruit is the one that's picked the most. Yo soy el primero en reconocer que hemos tenido malos malos partidos. 
I'm the first one to realize we've had bad games. Así como también hemos tenido mu muchos buenos partidos. But we've also had many good games. Y también le hemos traído mucha alegría a esta ciudad. And we brought the city a lot of joy. Pero bueno, fue un, es un año raro. It's a strange year. Y es la vida. That's eh, life. A veces tenemos que pelear con lo que hay. Sometimes we have to fight with what we have. Y nada, y ir para el frente. Yo le pongo la bala a, lo, a, a los problemas. We y, gotta, we gotta keep moving forward. y las personas que están con nosotros saben, como vinieron hoy 70 mil personas, no sé si va a ser, que están con nosotros. Y esperemos que, que los buenos tiempos vuelvan otra vez. And the 70,000 people who came here today, uh, they're with us, and we hope we can bring the good times back. You've said that um, you want to stay here for as long as they, the team wants you. You just referenced your contract situation a second ago. Do you, are you thinking about possibly leaving? I have a, I still have one, one year, so I enjoy every day because uh, I, I have to say thank you, God, for bringing me back to the field. I try to do my best. Sometimes I can play good, sometimes not. Sometimes can I score, sometimes not. Um, I put my whole body in the field, and um, this is not discussed. But you know, his soccer is life, and um, probably this team need more, um, more different area, more different players, probably. And uh, we, we we think about it. So you heard Martinez talk about players who perhaps don't understand the importance of the jersey. You talk about signings made for business reasons. I think he is pointing fingers both at the front office of Darren Eels and Carlos Bocanegra, as well as some, I'm going to say past teammates. I don't want to say current teammates. But he seems to be and has seemed to be unhappy uh, with how the team is being run. He referenced his contract in the audio. You heard, I asked him at the end if he's considering leaving. And the last sentence I thought was the most telling about his future with the club. He's got one year left on his deal. Though he has looked much, much better since his arthroscopic surgery on his right knee, he's still not quite the same Joseph. You saw him get outpaced last night on a breakaway, which happens because there are fast players in MLS. But it is a sign that perhaps he's not ever going to be 100%. He's, he's an important player for this club. I don't think the club will get rid of him. I don't know if the club is going to re-up him as a DP. If the club doesn't re-up him as a DP, is he going to want to stay? I don't know. We also know that the club typically doesn't do contract extensions I can think of one. I think I can think of two contract extensions announced during a season, and most of the others have been kind of wait and see actions. So we're going to see what happens with Joseph with a year left on his deal. I, it's easy to speculate on which players he might be pointing fingers at from the past who signed for money. Um, and I'm going to let you, you know, you can have your own opinions on who he's talking about, and I'll have mine. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here uh, there's an obvious one of, of Jurgen Dom but Jurgen wanted to play but maybe he was he's one of those that just didn't train like Joseph felt he should but really I think you could probably point a finger at anybody who's come to the club for big money at this point because 
you can make an argument that everybody is underperforming right now and they've got to get their stuff together or the season is going to go down the drain with a roster that is the most expensive in major league soccer. And you can point your finger at the injuries, but as Joseph said, we're all professionals. We're not kids anymore. We know what we're supposed to be doing, but it's a matter of getting the players to do it. And right now Pineda and his staff are struggling to make that happen. It's an odd, odd thing to watch, to be honest with you. I was surprised to see Franco in the starting lineup, Alan Franco. He's a good player for 89 minutes, but he just makes mistakes that keep getting punished. Caleb Wiley's only 17 years old. He was getting killed on social media last night for his inability to clear that one ball that resulted in Austin's second goal. To be fair, he was trying to do it with his weaker foot. I think he was trying to make sure he didn't shank it into the goal because of the, the way the ball was coming across. He's learning on the job. Y'all, y'all have got to give him some breaks. He's going to be a really, really good player for the team. But right now he's being forced into a situation in which there's really not a backup. He may be feeling some pressure. I don't know. But he's going to be a really, really good player for the team. All right, we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to answer y'all's questions on the mailbag. They are – there's a consistent theme to most of them. Um as always, I'm Doug. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. So here we go. Most of these questions are really long, so bear with me. Starting with Adam, friend of the podcast. He said he started to write this email at the 78-minute mark because it distracted him for the rest of the match. So apologies for running long. His first point, as far as I'm concerned, Texas and Florida only exist to provide the U.S. with villains, but credit where due. Austin played with poise, a commitment to their strategy, and with an efficient work rate I can't recall seeing in MLS. Their team defense and their team offense were truly impressive. Their ability to get numbers forward and do more than just casually pass it around made me jealous. To wit, injuries aside, the evidence this season suggests that Coach Josh Wolf, a legend in Georgia soccer, is getting a lot more out of this team than young Coach Pineda. 
Even if every player is perfectly suited to their team's game plan, they still need to work hard and execute, which they seem to be doing to a T. Conversely, for all of Atlanta's attacking talent, they still seem way too reliant on individuals making long runs or extraordinary plays in order to create chances. Does this assessment seem fair? And if so, does it imply Pineda has that much more to learn as a manager, is struggling to get buy-in from his players, or doesn't have the right players for what he wants to do? I think it's a combination of all three. I've said this for a long, long time, for a couple of seasons now. If Atlanta United does not get a moment of individual brilliance, it does not score. Or if it doesn't get a mistake by the opponent, it does not score, which is really, really odd considering the talent that this team has in attack. I think Pineda is learning on the job. I think that he is not the first Atlanta United manager to seem to get some struggle to get buy-in from the players. And I think some of the players still don't fit the system. But, you know, you can only turn over the roster X amount of times in the offseason because of the salary cap rules. You can't just gut it and start all over again. But I think Pineda is learning on the job. I do think he deserves credit for the points the team has gotten despite the injuries. But at some point, uh, they've got to start getting some wins or they're not going to make the playoffs. His second point, Atlanta's defensive ability to hinge on one of two things going their way, an early lead or having their D-mids do an effective job leading the transition. That latter point has been a thorn for Atlanta all season. Does Atlanta have a pairing up to the task if healthy, or is that simply a position we have to expect will struggle given MLS budgets? Yeah, you're right. I mean, one of the we were talking about this last night in the press box. One of the things that Jeff Lorenowitz was very, very good at is when a team started to counter, he would always break it up with a foul, a tackle, something. That is not happening right now. Franco Abaro can make a good tackle, but he he's just slow, and it's hard for him sometimes to get into positions. There was an example, a couple of examples last night of, of as I referenced earlier, that stick out your leg and try to make a tackle, tackle, and just it not happening. Hazetu is a nice guy and, and a decent player, but he just doesn't do any one thing well. He doesn't break up attacks. He doesn't start attacks. He can get out of space okay. But one of the things that made Nagby so good in that role, and Nagby is, is you know, a, a level above a lot of defensive midfielders in Major League Soccer, is he, he would check the pressure coming, would turn the opposite way, and immediately start attacks with, with good passes. Atlanta United is just too cumbersome in its attack. It, it gets the ball and it waits or it passes backward. The first five minutes of last night's game, the team made a lot of great runs on offense. And they, they were dominating the game. And then Austin scored and all that stopped. It became stand around and watch, stand around and watch. And we've seen that for seasons after seasons now from this team. I don't know why it happens, but it keeps happening. His third point, Wally and McFadden, played down to their age and inexperienced tonight, and it feels like the more they're tasked with filling in the starters, the more opposing teams are keen to exploit these players. Tonight, these two were largely pinned back and reactionary, which limited the spacing. I assume Atlanta wanted on offense, leaving a lot of guys frustrated. Barring other injuries, Atlanta's playoff hopes hinge on Lennon and Gutman getting healthy ASAP. Now, Pineda made a point, as y'all heard in the audio, of saying that McFadden and Wiley are doing everything he asks, and he needs my... My translation of that is he needs everybody to to give their best like McFadden and Wiley. If I'm an opposing team, I'm definitely targeting those two guys. Uh, I'm also targeting Alan Franco. Um, that's why I think you're going to go. You're going to see them go to a three center back lineup going forward to let those guys get forward a little bit more. 
to free them a little bit from defensive responsibilities uh, so that they could just play. As far as Lennon and Gutman getting healthy, uh, Gutman could be back, if I'm remembering Pineda's timeline, within two weeks. Lennon is going to be a while. We saw him out walking on the training pitch uh, Thursday. He was still walking very gingerly, not running. It's going to be a bit for him. Ben says, do you think Pineda will resign? He continues to try the same tactics that the players are not equipped to execute. He is continually outcoached, and I think he has lost the team. Is the team's lack of communication and errors most likely stem from the coaching staff's inability to communicate the tactics? I don't think Pineda is going to resign. I don't know if he's trying the same tactics. It ends up kind of looking the same game after game. Um, but again, I don't know if that's because some of the players just aren't executing the tactics, if some of the players don't understand what they're supposed to do, or if they do understand what they're supposed to do, but they just kind of get into their own heads during games. Um, I think it's a combination of those two things. Noah says, this team is so pitiful, it's honestly hard to watch. The narrative of the 2018 season being a one-season wonder is truly starting to come to pass. Every single team deals with horrible injuries every year. It's no excuse to play like this. So why hasn't Pineda been given the boot? He has lost the team. His game plans do not work. And he's officially wasted yet another season for this franchise that is losing fans at a rapid level. I'm quickly, I'm usually quick to hop on the fire the coach train, but this has gone on far too long. Well, but if you fire the coach, <laughs> you're going to have to start all over again with a new coach. You're going to have to start all over again trying to get players that that coach wants. You're going to be setting back the franchise again. You don't fire Pineda right now. I think you give him another season. I think you give him a season in which there can't be nearly as many injuries as there have been this year. I did go back and look. The 2019 season, there was 120 games lost to injuries. I don't know what it is this season, but it's got to be past that already, I would think, or, or close to that. It's a it's a team that consistently gets injured. It's changed a lot of its physio. It's changed some of its training staff. It, it monitors everything it does. I can't tell you why the injuries keep happening. If, if there was a reason, I would try to find out, and I've tried, and there's just no logic to it. Alex says, everyone will talk about our injuries this season, and there have been a lot, but today we had two midfielders, Abara and Uzetu, start that make a combined $1 million in salary, three DP attackers, and a CB that used to be a DP before being bought down, talking about Alan Franco. Even with our injuries, there was still significant investment on the field, and yet we looked outclassed in every way. Is Pineda on the hot seat? I don't think he should be. Should he be? I don't think so. He seems like more of a vibes guy than having any kind of nuanced tactical ideas, and the vibes are currently very bad. And if not Pineda, then is the front office going to be held accountable for continually missing on the high-priced South American talent, the aforementioned Rosetto and Ibarra, who are dominated whenever they play together or before them, Barco? Well, accountability comes from Arthur Blank and Steve Cannon. Uh, it's, you know, I can't remember the last time we spoke to Carlos for an on-the-record interview. It would be nice if the team would make him available to try to get his thoughts on what's happening with the season. He typically doesn't like to talk during the season uh, based upon my past and, and memories of that. Um, but right now, Pineda and the players are having to take the heat. I think Bocanegra should probably do some sort of Zoom or press conference and try to explain what he thinks is going on and how he thinks it could be turned around. The team has missed on – well, missed is a strong word. 
the South American talent probably isn't producing like Atlanta United thought. Um, and they keep bringing a lot in um, at the maybe at the expense of signing some guys who have that MLS experience that's needed. You know, they did try to sign Ozzy Alonso. He was going to be a starter, suffered an ACL injury. I still think it was a pivotal loss for Atlanta United, maybe the most pivotal loss this season for the team. Henry says, with the team obviously at an all-time low, not just in soccer but also in morale, is there any hope for this season? You probably get this a lot, but is it time to fire Pineda? <laughs> what about Bocanegra and Niels? Well, I've already answered that. And, yeah, I think there's still hope for the season. Let's see how they play against Real Salt Lake. Let's see if there's a bounce. If they can get six points for the next two games, they should be, you know, within a handful of points with games in hand on on the playoff chase. If they drop six points of these next two games, then I think you can say the season is is sinking fast. DKB says, who do you think Joseph is returning, referring to when he mentions business reasons? Well, I think there's a couple of guys uh, that he's referring to. I've mentioned one. I don't want to get into the others um, because it's not fair. They can't defend themselves. But I think you know who they are. Sanford says, it seems like both Pineda and Joseph mentioned players not trying hard enough. Do you think they are referring to certain guys? I do. Or just the team in general? As certain guys, who do you think? I, I We're not allowed to watch all of training. We're allowed only to watch certain parts of training. So it's going to be unfair of me to guess at who those players are. It's unfair to them. It's un, It's... I think you could tell who they are. I think you could tell from the results. I think you could tell from who is in the starting lineup and who is not in the starting lineup. And I think you can tell from their production. Nick says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Pineda's press conference. If you're fixing the mentality issue that clearly exists on this roster, what players are you 100% not selling under any circumstances? Well, you're not going to sell your DPs right now. Everybody else, I think, is probably up for trade up for something you've got to shake up this roster I, I just I don't I still don't understand how suddenly you're going to instill fight in a team that has shown it sometimes but not consistently or 100% focus unless you roll out just a, a total roster of very very young guys and make the veterans sit there and watch and the last question is Doug says I would love your analysis of how you would line up in the back now given the new players well I've shared that a little bit uh, of those healthy, I think you're going to see Parata, Campbell, and it's got to be either Franco and Dijon. It's still going to be Wiley. It's still going to be McFadden. McFadden. Uh, I don't think Rocco Rios Novo has done anything to lose his starting position. He's still very, very good with his feet. Defensive midfielder, Santiago Sosa is not a defensive midfielder either. Um, I really don't know what the answer is there. Is that too? I've given you my thoughts on, but... I mean, you could put Sosa in for Huzetu. You could try to play Marcelino Marino deeper, but he's not going to be very good defensively. And I'm talking about in the uh, center midfield role, not the attacking midfield role. It's a roster construction that has a hole there right now, I think. All right. We're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, please click share and subscribe. Please take advantage of our promo. Please follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. 
Please communicate with your loved ones. Please hug your loved ones. Y'all take care. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,